Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. We have an opportunity today to look at Psalm number four together. A reminder before we start that the Psalms are the hymnal of the Old Testament Church of God. And so we actually have 150 hymns that have really been around for what? 3,000 years? It's really neat to think about. All right, we jump into the text. To the choir master, with stringed instruments, a psalm of David. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that Yahweh has set apart the godly for himself. Yahweh hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Salah. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in Yahweh. There are many who say, Who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Yahweh. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Yahweh, make me dwell in safety. This is the word of the Lord. It's fairly common in the Psalms that you actually see an introduction, and in the Hebrew text it's it's included in the versification. I don't know why in our English Bibles it's not, but it's not. So to the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm of David is an intro for us. And then Psalm 4 technically begins with the words, Answer me. But again, the Hebrew Bible included these things. They were notes on it. Uh, So you see the note is written to the choir master, so he knows, well, what do I do with this one? Well, this is for the stringed instruments to play. And then we learn that David is the one who wrote this psalm, or you might say composed it, again, because it's a hymn. It's It's music. We can look at those first few words too. Answer me when I call. And it's a great thing to talk about to your kids right away. What do we call that? When we call out to God, what do we call it? The word shows up at the end of the verse, right? Prayer. Uh, so this is an opportunity to talk about prayer with our kids. Uh, why do we pray? How do we pray? And to, to lead them in prayer, to show them those examples is, is a beautiful thing. It's something that as parents we are to teach our children. And we're to be in prayer ourselves and we're to teach them too. Even the next line, you have given me relief when I was in distress. So this is King David who's speaking and who's teaching the church to sing this song. It's hard to pinpoint when in David's life this is written. David is a war-torn king. Battle constantly, and so that you know, distress could easily be seen as that. And God gives him relief, God gives him victory. That's a possibility. Or now that David has come into Jerusalem and has set up his capital city and his throne, maybe that's the reference that all of that 
is behind him and that he has somehow had now a, a life of peace and quiet in his latter days. <laughs> well, he doesn't get a lot of that uh, if you know his story. But again, he's teaching the church to sing this too. So as we look at that phrase, we can ask again, this is a question to our kids. You might have to soften the words for younger ones though. From what, from what distress has God relieved us? For a little kid, maybe what trouble has God saved us from? Could be another way to phrase it. And really, this is this is a great spot to point to the cross, right? Our great distress is our sin. Our great trouble is that we are going to die because we're sinners. We're wretched sinners. And yet, God has spared us. He's relieved us. He's saved us from that by the blood of his own Son. And the comfort and the hope and the peace and the calm that we have from that beautiful gift of Christ. It's an opportunity here to talk about that. Paul, uh, sorry, David then calls it gracious that God would hear his prayer. Uh, grace, the grace of God is a gift, so it's a gift of God that he would hear us. And so you can give thanks for that gift too with your family. The second and third verse, and really they show the sinful condition of man. For example, how long will you love vain words and seek after lies? How, how many people do you know that love lies, that tell lies all the time, that would rather live in a lie than live in the truth? How many people do you know that love the empty way of their life? And by that I mean that they're, they're separate from God. They don't know the grace that comes to us through Jesus Christ. They don't have that forgiveness. And yet they seem quite okay running the race that they're running, even though it leads to nowhere good. So, I mean, really the answer to that question is as long as sin remains. How long? Well, until Christ returns. Then you get that little word, Salah. And we really don't know what Salah means. We just don't. Um, maybe it has a meaning. Maybe it's like in our hymnal where you see refrain. Or maybe it's some kind of a signal in the psalm to the choir master to, to do something else that a conductor might do with his orchestra. I, we just don't know what the, the, the nature of this word is, but it's there, and because it's there, we keep it there. We don't drop it, even though we have, again, no idea what to do with it. Um, so one of the times in verse 2, I don't think I even read it. I think I skipped right by it because it's just so used to it. And then verse 4, I did read it. Uh, so the intentionality there. Verse 3, Yahweh has set the, apart the godly for himself. This is so true, and this is a connection to our baptism, that in baptism God has set you apart. You are now his people. Your family is his family. You are his, and he has set you apart. He has made you holy for a purpose, to live a life different than the life of the world around you. 
verse 4, we are called to be angry and not sin. I'm not sure that's possible. We have to do a digger, a deeper dig into scripture to see that one, if it shows up truly somewhere else. Because every time I've been angry, it's tainted by my sin, and I know it. I may not recognize it right at that moment, but in hindsight, I can see it. Ponder in your own hearts, on your beds, and be silent. Our kids aren't used to silence very often, so I gave you a little pause there. Uh, and you might do that in a devotion with them too. Uh, and see what happens in silence. Just a time to ponder, a time to think. And in those, those ponderings, we often then find ourselves in prayer. We are to pray without ceasing. Verse 5, put your trust in Yahweh. Trust and faith are synonyms. So trust in Yahweh, have faith in Yahweh, that he will care for you, that he will save you, that he will deliver you, because he promised that he would, and because he promised it, he'll do it. Verse 6, the people there are demanding a sign. Really, he's talking about guys who are fools. They just want the blessings of God poured out upon them, although they themselves really don't care. Who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us. But then the very next thing we see David say is what helps us to see that God has put more joy in, into David's heart than all of the grain and the, the wine. So the abundance of, of the earth provided to those fools could ever do. The wealth of this world, the riches of this world may entice some, but we're set apart. Our joy is not worldly things. Our joy is Christ, Jesus. Verse 8, In peace I both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Yahweh, make me dwell in safety. And there's a lot of truth in that, right? And you can look at that twofold. I lie down and sleep in peace because I know that the Lord watches over me while I rest. But also, you can talk about this from the perspective of death, as, as we think of the New Testament referring to death as sleep. Because Christ has promised he will raise our bodies. And so while we sleep, the sleep that is death, while we sleep, God is guarding us. He's watching over us. He's keeping us safe until the time of the second coming and the resurrection of all people. So you can look at that really from either perspective. Now the thing you could talk about with your children there with verse 8. Do you know a prayer like this? I do. I was taught by my parents when I was growing up this prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, my soul is Jesus to take. And then I would go off and I'd say, you know, God bless. And I had my list. And I still remember it, right? God bless mommy and daddy, Sarah and me, my sister. And then I'd name the animals in our home and, and just... 
that kind of a prayer. And some of you may have a now I lay me down to sleep prayer. And there are a few variations of it. Maybe you've taught it to your children already. But there can be some value to those bedtime prayers. And so this is an opportunity to reflect on those bedtime prayers that you might have as a family, as a household together. Praise me.